Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your also and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalzik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And Noel, uh, we're going to keep things brief up at the top here. Um, because... Yeah. First of all, stamps.com has not paid us to not make it brief, but also yeah. because I have a recital tonight. So we're on a bit of a time crunch. Um, I was enjoying the dis- discourse going around about how podcasts are basically just like stamps.com or um, one of the various Blue meal apron. prep. Blue Apron. Yeah. yeah uh, influencers. Where did that come from? That was um friend of the show, um, Caroline Sita. Ah, yes. Yes. Good times. <laughs> Good times, Caroline. Uh, so, so, anyways, uh, we have there a lot of TV this week, a lot of interesting shows, and we're going to have actually a more full week in TV than we've had in a while. But we had to make sure, especially with our uh, like more truncated time today, that we got plenty of time for the Steven Universe movie. So you know, we spotlit that. That's our our, our end, ending segment this week, and we it was a super fun conversation, and it, it like. Mm-hmm. I still keep thinking of more things we didn't talk about and we should have talked about. Yes. So at some point, yeah, I imagine when we too. get towards like end of the year conversations, like other things will pop up and come into come to mind. Um, but yeah, that, I, yeah, it was good. It was fun. It was, and I'm I'm looking forward to listeners getting a taste of that. Mm-hmm. Let us know what you think, listeners. I'm very excited about Stephen Universe. So uh, <laughs> we will be talking about that at the end of the show. Like I said, now though we're gonna take a break and dive right in with our week in TV. Because we got a lot of shows to talk about. So we will be right back after this. Here we are in the future. Here we are in the future, and it's bright. Nothing to fear, no one to fight. I can't believe we've come so far. Happily ever after, here we are. Once upon a time I thought I'd always be in my mother's shadow Answering for her crimes I thought I'd always be in an endless battle Till I began to hone A power all my own That I could feel growing stronger every day And now I save the world not just that the whole That was Happily Ever After from the Steven Universe movie because, you know, it, it makes us happy. We like it. Our, my heart grows three sizes. It's very nice. But like I said earlier, we can talk about that at the end of the show. But for our week in TV, we're going to kick things off uh, with Noel have, having a few thoughts on Carol and Tuesday on Netflix. Then I'll talk a little bit about the younger season finale, Forever. We'll both chime in on Patriot with Hassan Minaj, um, The Two Sides of Canada, and DuckTales, which came back... <gasps> With three episodes as we record, whatever happened to Donald Duck? Happy birthday, doofus. I'm doing this all wrong. Sorry. Whatever happened to Donald Duck? And happy birthday, doofus Drake! And a nightmare on Killmotor Hill. Um, which, because I feel like that one shouldn't be too excited. I feel like that no, one needs, shouldn't be. They're like, it needs like a spooky kind of. Right. Like, like something to convey that like the font is all like 
Uzi, like green and, and Uzi. Yeah. Anyways, so we'll talk about DuckTales. That's a long way of saying we'll talk about DuckTales. <laughs> Noel has some thoughts on Given, a winter story. And I'll talk, we'll both talk about, sorry, a bit about the Great British Baking Show or Great British Bake Off, which returned last week to Netflix with Cake Week. I have a few thoughts on the Terror Infamy, The Week Are Meat, and we'll round things out with Queen Sugar here. Um, so first up is Carol and Tuesday, and we have to start. We 100%. I haven't seen the show, but we have to start by talking about that absolutely asinine review of this that you found uh, that I started tweeting about because it was just hurting my brain. (laughs) Right. So um, I'm not going to name the publication um, because I semi used to work with the person who now is the managing editor of it um, as a freelancer. And so, but basically, the reviewer who I have to assume just hasn't watched a lot of anime. Um, called Carol and Tuesday Unusual. And also it's con- his, their concluding thoughts about the series was that it was a like a departure from the violent hyperbolic anime, uh, stereotypical hyperbolic anime, uh, something along those lines, to which I go, you, you, you haven't watched any anime. You've watched three shows. <laughs> and I bet I know which... I bet I know which three shows you've watched. Um, Literally, the last anime we talked about was about storytelling, sitting in place with a fan and a handkerchief and telling stories for hours. So, yeah, yeah, and is hyperbolic, but in a way that is more in the vein of melodrama than anything else. And if you're going to complain about melodrama, then I just don't want to talk to you. Um, So that was just deeply frustrating, especially when applied to something like Carol and Tuesday, uh, which aired in Japan earlier this year, but has been in Netflix jail until this August. Um, well, this sep- September, I should say. Um, and deals with Carol and Tuesday, two young women who are on a terraformed Mars in the 20XXXX, or 2XXX, um, year not specified, but near future type of thing, um, who one's uh, Tuesday's really rich, comes from a political family. Carol is an Earth immigrant um, who lived in basically like a refugee camp for a long time before striking out on her own. Um, and they meet up through a series of happenstance, but they both love music. Uh, Tuesday plays guitar, Carol plays keyboard, and they decide just to start making music together. And they get video, they get uh they have their video taken accidentally when they're performing once and they kind of go viral a little bit. Um, But the entire show is about music and sometimes about the creation of music, but also about the come up more so than anything, very specifically about the commodification of music. Um, So while Carol and Tuesday write all their own songs in this near future, all songs are basically written by AI and performed by someone else, um, which is the sort of the juxtaposition that happens in the show is that our antagonist is a sullen, dark haired fellow with glasses, your standard anime, stereotypical anime antagonist in this kind of an anime um, who believes he can write the perfect song using AI and this woman named Angela, who's a model who wants to become a singer. Um, and so there's that conflict there, philosophically speaking, of what, how do you make music and what is music? And then Carolyn Tuesday enter Mars, Mars Brightest, which <laughs> is, yes, listeners, a weird mix of American Idol, 
America's Got Talent and the Eurovision um, concert competition. Am I, is that right? Eurovision? Yeah. It's not right. Yeah. Eurovision. Yeah. That's the the thing. All right. And so, so it's like this and Carol and Tuesday enter and there's a number of really weird joke contestants and you basically go through the whole process in a really compressed time frame, um, complete with a panel of three judges and all this sort of stuff. And so it just explores somewhat their relationship, but mostly what is music in this society and how does it work and how do we talk and how do these people talk about music in this not so distant future sort of scenario. And I think that the show is really sweet. It's really charming. The songs are generally really good, especially Carol and Tuesdays, but also the songs that Angela has are also really good and also in that safe poppy sort of way. But there's also music that is more in a lo-fi um, vaporwave sort of approach that I also really like because I like that genre of music as well. So all of this to say that the show is really, really charming. It's really sweet. It's not as good as, say, Cowboy Bebop or S- Samurai Champloo, both of which are directed by Sinchura Wananabe, who is also responsible for Carol and Tuesday. I kind of buried that lead. Um, but it's still really worth watching. It's really funny in a lot of places. Uh they make a music video, um, and it's just a comedy of errors, and it's delightful. Um, I think that there's a number of like weird sort of tonal things that are getting kind of mashed together in this show that don't quite work. Um, but it's also part one of presumably a second half that's coming. Um, so I'm um, eager for that to see, because if there's one big net, jab against this first part is that it's a lot of setup in a lot of ways and it doesn't feel like the plot kicks off until the last episode um but there's plenty of good stuff getting to that last episode but it just feels like we're slightly wheel spinny because everything really feels like it kicks off in the finale uh but i do encourage you to watch it um if you're outside of japan watching it on netflix is the only way you can watch it um aside from you know illegally um, but I would recommend that you seek it out and I'd recommend that you seek it out. Okay. Cause I would be really curious to see how you as a musician feel about this particular series. Yeah. That sounds like this is a uh, one that is definitely a hundred percent for me. So we'll, yeah. we'll see what I think of it when I get a chance to watch it. Um, next up is the younger season six finale forever. And I just want to check in since it's the season finale and they have been struggling a lot this season. Um, I just try to remember back. Remember back, Noel, when we were like eagerly anticipating every single episode of Younger back in like season three, season four. It was one of like the most popcorn, bingeable, yeah. like super run to your DVR to watch it and you're going to have a good time kind of shows. They are just spinning their wheels. They, they've done several things this season that were great. Like, for example, getting Liza out of the age closet um, completely publicly so they could just move on to new things and not, you know, get increasingly contrived. They In the finale, Diana has her uh, wedding to Enzo, and that was lovely. And, of course, you know, the looks fabulous. It was great. Um, but the, the drama that they've been cooking up where... Liza uh, says that she's not going to see uh, Josh anymore because they aren't really friends. It's, you know, it's more than that. And so she needs to just not ever see him ever again so that she can move forward with Charles. And Charles didn't ask her to do that. She has to do it herself. And all, ugh, 
stupid stuff. Um, it, it's frustrating for some reasons. Uh, Nico Torelli, who plays Josh, I believe was cast on another show. So I don't know if he's going to be back, but he's got to be back the way that this was ended. So, um, I mean, we'll see. Because there were just there were several ways they could have written him off that would have worked and made sense, and instead they do this really contrived thing. Um, they've been, I think, very intentionally bungling Liza and Charles um, this season because I don't know because maybe they maybe Josh is OTP or they just don't want it. They feel like the show's boring if you know you have your main character in a successful and happy relationship. But like so in this finale, for example, Noel. Uh, Charles invites uh, Liza to come with him and his daughter when they do their vacation to Scotland or whatever, and asks her if she wants to invite Caitlin, uh, her daughter, like her college age daughter. Um, yes. and, and, you know, that's kind of a big step, right? Um, like yeah. with the families together. And then at the end of the episode, he, like, he's like, yeah, no, I thought about it. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that's a good time. And, and she goes, yeah, no, I, you know, I was thinking about that too. I think, I think you're right. It's like, yeah, because you shouldn't have your kids there on your honeymoon. Will you marry me? It's like, so wait, wait, you got, you're not like, she wasn't like, yes, let's definitely have our daughters meet each other. And so you jump to let's get married. It just doesn't, it felt very contrived and it just didn't feel organic to Charles. We haven't spent enough time with him to know where he's at in their relationship. um, Besides just declarative statements when the plot requires them. And so they've had Liza very hesitant and, uh, Lily doth protest too much about how happy she is with him, but the two of them have have really great chemistry, so it just makes us all very forced, you know? It's like, oh, we're gonna make it, like, this is a happy ending last season, but we're gonna make it contrived and a, and the graduate ending instead, because heaven forbid, (laughs) heaven forbid a happy couple, you know? Or, you know, break them up and then Josh is back and they're a happy couple. Like, just, I don't know, the, the notion that a stable committed couple is not interesting in a relationship or romance sort of centered show is stupid in my opinion and shows yes. a lack of creativity and I mean, like you can point to plenty of shows but let's go right to for example uh parks and rec and certainly i mean like with all of their couples in parks and rec uh, but but brooklyn 99 for a current example of a show that's better and more interesting with their will they won't they completely committed and solid so um, I don't know what Younger is afraid of, um, but it's frustrating. Well, what I think is happening is that Younger is leaving the door open for the actual OTP, with, which is Asif Monvid's character coming back. Ah, yeah, right? And sweeping, <laughs> a, sweeping Liza off her feet. And that is what's happening in my headcanon, as I have not watched two seasons of this show so far in our own. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the other stuff was good, but the, and again, the back and forth with Kelsey leaving and then coming back and they're going to figure out a way to get her partner. And they're just making all of that even more entrenched so that when, when Liza and Charles break up, there's more drama, you know, and then they have to work together, but they have all these diff- difficult feelings and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I've just, I, it just, it's all very exhausting. So, uh, not looking forward to season seven. I will probably still watch it because it's on my DVR as a series recording. So it'll just show up, and then I'll you probably can like, oh, turn. Watch you it, can but... cancel that, though. See, I could, but that requires remembering to do that, and I, I almost and I can't do it for my laptop. 
Right, no, but, you can't, but you can do it in front of your TV while you're watching something else, and I can text you. Yeah, but I almost never watch TV at my TV at this point. I'm almost always mm. watching on my computer, especially now that I can download things and then watch it while I'm out at a coffee shop or something. That, yeah, this that is, does make it difficult. I, I did, though, just delete every episode as it came up of The Detour, and and, and I still haven't deleted that recording, but I haven't watched any of those episodes. So maybe that's what I need to do for younger. Um, yeah, we'll see. just delete the episodes, yeah. Probably not going to do that, though. Let's be honest. I'm me. Um, let's talk instead about our next episode, our next episode, which is Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj. And this episode is to The Two Sides of Canada. And this is one that I actually watched right away. Instead of waiting till you hear you talk about it, go, oh, that sounds really interesting. I should watch that. Mm-hmm. And then watching it. And I thought this was terrific. This was all about, uh, well, it's centered on an interview that uh, Minaj got with uh, Justin Trudeau, which is a pretty big deal. And I thought he did a pretty good job with the interview. And it was all about the perceptions of Canada and and Trudeau and the, the much more complicated and disappointing realities. And I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was well-paced, and um, I think it brought up some good points. It was funny, and, and I think the ending segment was better than some of these other ones have been. Last week's was way better. But um, this, like, for example, compared to the Koch Brothers one, you know. Yeah. So wh- what did you think of this episode? Um, Sort of like um, some other episodes that they've done, there wasn't a lot of, like, new information here for me. Um, Like, mm-hmm. I'm intimately familiar with uh canada's weird um slash terrible oil sands and pipeline um mentality uh to a large degree in part because of where i used to work like that was something that circulated through um our discussions quite a bit and while we never really wrote extensively about it i was very aware of it and i've been also aware of the weird sort of scandals uh trudeau has been swept up in particularly that bribery one that they mentioned um and so while Trudeau gets a rap and Canada gets a rap for being really progressive and really cool, um, at the same time, it's like, yeah, but, um, type of thing. So the, the big new thing was like the, um, the Saudi arms, uh, weapons dealing type stuff that, uh, was something I was not aware of. Uh, so I appreciated like that coming to light cause I wasn't aware of that either. Um, but also, it's like so many countries do this, so many, um, that it was like not surprising type of thing. But I do think that it's a really good corrective type of deal, um, especially as someone who is um, old enough to remember back like during the Gore, Kerry and Bush eras of if this happens, I'm moving to Canada. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, you, you can do that. But also... Canada's good, but it's there are problems, and you were also going to move up there during like a conservative period in Canada, um, and then like various things of like the locality. Um, my understanding is that Quebec is always sort of low key, not the best. <laughs> um, so yeah, but Quebec's got its own like thing happening. Um, but yeah, so no, this was good. The interview with uh, Trudeau, I thought it was. Solid, but it's still, like, the weakest part of his thing, I think, of how he interviews people feels vaguely Cohen-esque in a lot of ways, Sasha Baron Cohen-esque, um, without, like, a character necessarily. Um, so I think that there's still, especially if it's going to be a semi-hostile interview like this one was, I think that there's more work to do 
in terms of hitting a tone with that. Um, but it was also really fun to see Trudeau just get deeply uncomfortable with the fact of no one prepped him for this. Oh, wait, they actually have questions. Yes. Yeah. Huh. This is not what I anticipated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was super funny. <laughs> I was like, oh, they're actually like gonna ask me things and like they've done research and they care. Oh, which was just, yeah, just the, the, this is why I said no to John Oliver. Yeah. The, like the increased, like squirming and trying yes. to like pivot off of it. He's like, yeah, okay, that's, that's funny. But though, actually, what about this? That's very hypocritical. Yeah. <laughs> just like you could, like, you could almost see like the, like pull the yes. collar away from the neck. Yeah. yeah. Which was, which was super, super duper funny for me. Um, so yeah, it was, it was one that I enjoyed, but I absolutely agree. Like, it's not a hard hitting interview, you know, like I thought that Oliver's interview with, um, um, Edward Snowden, for example, was a much better interview. Yes. Um, but it, yeah, the, but it, I think it's interesting that, that Minaj wants to do this kind of thing. And, and I hope he does more. I hope, like, cause I think he'll get better with it the more he works on it. So that's cool. Next up is DuckTales. Whatever happened to Donald Duck? Happy birthday, Doofus Drake! And a nightmare on Kill Motor Hill! Um, anyways. There, that was good. Is that was good? Nailed okay, it. thank you. Yeah. Um, so first up, Donald Duck. I thought this one was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. And I liked the, um, the B-plot of Webby um, and her locket and all of that. I thought it was well-balanced and it, you know, it was time that we checked back in with Donald Duck. So I, I thought the one was, was uh, super fun. Thoughts? I really enjoyed, like, the dedication to physical comedy, which is very old-school Donald Duck in this, mm -hmm. uh, with the whole ridiculousness with the bunk beds and the moon scorpion. Mm -hmm. uh, was just so, again, old-school Donald Duck, ridiculous, absurdist, farce-type stuff that I was just like, yes, more of this, please, and thank you. And so I really appreciated that and that they committed so much time to that sequence as well. It wasn't like, all right, he's going to do it a couple of times. No, it's like f five, six, seven times of like tucking these people back into bed as the scorpion's crawling around. Mm -hmm. So I really, really enjoyed that. I liked that his rage didn't solve the issue like yeah. it normally does. Um, like when the shadows and everything came out and that like solved that particular issue. This doesn't work here of like, no, this Lunaris knows what he's doing. He's Lance Reddick after all. He knows what he's doing. Um, except when it comes to making ships that fly, apparently that montage was hilarious. Um, so no, I enjoyed this and I feel bad that everyone thinks that he's still on vacation though. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I enjoyed that. Um, the message he'll get the message at uh, um, Scrooge will get the message at some point. Um, but yeah, but I, I liked the the two thousand and one riff at the end. That was super fun. Uh, that's not how and... that works, though. Reentries not is bad, but it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but still, just like the visuals of all that, like that's yeah. great. That's super fun. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just, it, you know, I, and I like the continual like movement of Lauren Ash to hero, right? Which is where we're going. And that's going to be fun. So, um, sorry, she should be, I don't remember the character's name. I just know, you know, she's from Penumbra. Superstore and she's funny and she's very good here. So she's Lauren Ash. Um, what about Doofus Drake and, and Goldie scheming with Louie? 
Yeah, um, this episode is okay. It's squicky and weird in a lot of places, particularly with uh, Beeks's Boyd um, robot. Um, there's a lot of, like, body horror-esque sort of things happening with that robot that are disturbing. Um, but I think a lot of it just coasts too much on Doofus is weird, and I'm getting a little tired of that shtick um, from the show, and I'm also sort of like, but why are we hanging out with Goldie? Uh, the f- person who reviewed this over at the TV club ha- made a really good point of, but his mom's back. Why are we doing a surrogate mom story right now when his mom is here? Yeah. Let's dig into the, why he would want to do that as opposed to why he's doing this. Well, and also, you know, his mom would be super up for his, for an adventure. Right, she exactly. Do it, go about it differently, or you know, yes. like, or you just show him like trying to talk her into it, and her being like, "I don't think that's a good idea." You yeah. know, we should stay around, and, and then he goes to Goldie, right? Right, exactly. But I mean, there are also two peas in a pot, so I understand like that impulse narratively, but it's a weird sort of decision to do that now when Della's back. So yeah. it's it was just a little weird, um, but. Yeah, so this one was fine. It, I didn't, like, love it or anything, but it was fine. Okay. Um, what about you? How did you feel? I thought it was fun. I I, uh, the, I think for me, Doofus is just so creepy that mm-hmm. I'm okay with us, like, with not really examining him or, like, why is he like, you know, like, <sighs> some people are just creepy. And, it, yeah, he's a child and all of that. But also some children are creepy. <laughs> um, so, you know, maybe... Come play with us, Kate. Yeah. Come play forever, with us forever. Ever. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Um, so, so, yeah, I that wasn't as much of an issue for me. But I hear you. Um, and as for uh, the the re- the other stuff that was going on... Yeah, I, you know, I hadn't thought about why is this a surrogate mom episode. But you're 100% right. And so is the, the AV Club reviewer. That is weird given the fact that she's right there. Um, and, we, and this comes back a little bit in the, the next episode, which we'll talk about, which I think was clearly the strongest of the, of the three, as much as, as I did really enjoy the first one this week. Um, of, of He still has a bunch of mommy issues. He still has yes. the full subscription. And the show knows that, and they're not going anywhere with it, which is, which is good. Um, and I like that there's a different range of reactions with Huey, Louie, and Dewey to this stuff, and we're seeing it manifest in different ways, and I think that's appropriate. Yeah. And it shows the, the, um, the just the awareness and creativity and thoughtfulness of the writers and the writing team. So showrunners over there. So, so yeah, so th- there was enough fun here for me that I enjoyed this particular, I mean, I'm always going to enjoy Glom Gold and, and him like being so into the sock puppet thing or the, the ventriloquism thing that he drops himself into the, the honey pot or whatever it was called. Um, the honey trap. Yeah, the honey vault was delightful um but let, let's focus on the highlight of, of these three and that's a nightmare in Kilmotor hill which is brings back um which brings back lena and, and violet. uh and violet yes and magica i'll always enjoy Catherine tate uh, as magica mm-hmm. um and and this was you know a chance to go through each of their dreams but to come back to that sa- those same themes around uh lena now it's a little repetitive at this point yes so this needs to be the last time we do this with these characters, but having an excuse to go dream hopping and like Louie has a cat and pet me, pet me. No, I don't like it anymore. Which <laughs> is great. It was super fun. Um, and, 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 and Huey's just like very, he's like, I'm bad at imagination was just great. I mean, I, I really appreciated the, the complex, like 
approach that they took to these different characters. They're like, Huey's just very literal and in a very strange way, awkward, super awkward way. And Dewey has a very full-fledged imagination. And like, I thought that was all great. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of fun with this one. And, and uh, it was, I think, a smart and fun way to bring back these characters. Yeah, and I do agree with you about the repetition and that this needs to be, sort of be the last time we do this. Because um, that was my big sort of issue with this episode was... Power of Friendship won again, and Lena keeps forgetting that these people care and love her. Yeah, and the bracelets again. And the bracelets again. And it's just like, but we've done this. And I get that sometimes it's difficult to fully internalize things. and But we have now officially, I feel like, fully internalized literally at this point as well, because we've gone internal internally, um, that it's... Time to move on to a different sort of story for Lena in particular. Like, I don't want to do this again. Especially with Magicka in such a sad, sorry state <laughs> by the end of things. Um, but never count Magicka out. Never count Magicka out. Um, so, but no, this is, it's still really delightful. Like, the high school, um, the cat stuff. Um, yeah, no, me crying on the moon is always here. And I don't understand that. I'm just like, oh, sweet baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. We do. Oh, sweet baby. <laughs> Dewey. Sweet baby. Yep. Yep. Um, but also just, yes, um, my partner um, was broken by Huey's really long legs. Like, <laughs> she just cracked up for that entire sequence of just how delightfully weird and perfect that was of like i'm bad at imagination he can't imagine himself being taller he just imagines longer legs and it's just it's so good and then the arms just killed her all over again um so i it was just it was really fun i wish we had gotten a better violet sequence as opposed to it's a library yeah um it's like mm, but this is a new character i want to know more about violet she has depth. She's not always just delivering exposition. She can do things. Um, but no, this is easily like the best. It's really well animated. It's really delightful. And Lena's a really good emotional arc for the show to explore. Um, one last thing, though, is uh, Penumbra, who's the Moon Warrior, is not Lauren Ash. It's Julie Bowen doing a Lauren Ash impression, basically. Thank you. Okay, well, that's good for yeah. me to know, because that does not sound like Julie Bowen. But it sounds like yeah, Lauren no. Ash. No, it's it's how I feel about um, Katie Seagal doing Goldie, because it sounds like Katie Seagal doing an Alice and Jandy impression. Alice and Jandy. Yes. Oh, my God. That's Katie Seagal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, it's Katie I Seagal. apologize. Yeah. I need to double check my things. Because like, I'm like, oh, I can recognize these voices. I can recognize what they're doing there. And plus, also, these are both characters that they would play, right? That they would get yes, cast Yes, no, that's to. the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. Especially especially Goldie is very much something that Alice and Janie would do. Um, so, yeah, and Crush, which and is Katie why Seagal it's really is weird. Too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yes. No, she's very good, but she's also doing an Alice and Janney impression the same way Julie Bowen's doing a Lauren Ash, Ash impression. Um, so so it's 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 very weird. Um, but yeah, no, I just wanted to remind you because I was just like, I'm Thank pretty you. sure that's not Lauren Ash. Yeah, but you're right. Some, <laughs> the reason why is because we keep saying it, my partner and I keep saying it to one another of... Julie Bowen does a great Lauren Ash impression every time Penumbra's on screen. <laughs> oh, wow. That is so weird. Okay, well, thank yeah. you, because now I You're feel awesome. really stupid. Um, no, don't feel stupid. But I feel because... less stupid than if you hadn't caught that and I had put out yeah. this episode all confident yeah. in myself and then gotten sco- schooled on, on, on Twitter or something. 
So, oops. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Give me a moment yes. to, you know, process that while you talk about Given, a winter right. story. So what is Given? All right. So Given is a um, anime that's streaming over on Crunchyroll, and I really encourage folks to check this out. Um, it's from the same animation b- programming block um, that did Promise Neverland, which I talked about a little bit um, earlier this year. Um, and Given is um, a yaoi, or a more literal translation, boy love anime series um, based on a manga of the same name that deals with young men who love each other, um, sometimes sexually. Um, okay. This is a really popular um, genre within, with particularly with female audiences in Japan, but um, the stories tend to be really emotionally driven um, and. Sometimes they tend not to be very good. Sometimes they are very good. And Given is very, very good. And it's also very explicit um, in really good ways. Um, Given, in this case, deals with um, boys in a band, quite literally. Um, uh, In high school, who trying to get a band, um, they end up... One of their lead guitarists ends up like kind of becoming attracted to this quiet semi-sullen guy who he encounters in the first episode who's just carrying around this really beautiful electric electric guitar like a gibson um and they their friendship starts but it burgeons into more and um a winter's story and also a couple episodes before i meant to highlight does a lot of really good work in terms of normalizing discussions about same-sex attraction um Insofar as like one one of the older characters tells the younger protagonist about no it's it's okay if you have feelings for him you should tell him type of thing of like literally normalizing the, and having these kind of discussions and being really present. Um, given um, this particular episode, a winter Sol- story has the band performing for the first time and these quiet characters singing for the first time lyrics. Um, every time he's sung before, they just do la, 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 la. And it's like th- his voice is so good that the la, la type of thing moves people to which everyone watching goes, but it's just, but did you not yeah. come up with a song? Um, and the answer is no, they didn't actually come up with a song because they actually joke because the character hasn't, apparently hasn't written lyrics yet. They go, so we can just go with the Lala strategy. And so it's now like a joke within this thing of like, he, he just does this weird tune that he hums, um, or like vocalizes to. And then like this episode has the actual song and the song is gorgeous it's amazing it's a really really good song it's worth the nine episodes of build-up but it culminates also in the two main characters kissing like on screen mouth to mouth and it's really beautiful it's really gorgeous and the various layers of trauma and lost love and everything that are woven in between this um in this series up to this nine through these nine episodes are really really good it does suffer from a barrier gaze as an inciting incident um for what's happening here as the sullen not sullen the quiet uh character who plays guitar and sings um his former partner got very drunk and died after a fight between the two of them um so there's a barrier gaze as an inciting incident 
um, to the series. Um, barrier gaze is not something that the Japanese are necessarily concerned with. Um, so that uh, is informed so much of it, but it's also part and parcel of the genre as well of a lost love and that being what shuts down someone and then they have to learn how to love again, basically type of thing, which runs throughout this series really explicitly in a number of different areas. But I really like Given. Um, It's been one of the highlights for the summer for me. And because of the climax, basically, of what we hit with episode nine, um, everything else is going to be falling action, I feel like. Um, But who knows? But I wanted to mention it uh this week just because of everything that happened uh but it's really good i encourage people to watch it um and just don't ex they do spend a fair bit of time and money animating people playing guitar but it's probably not the best but i'm also not the best one to judge that. <laughs> um but i would go in with the expectation of again this is about creating music but it's also about people coming to grips with their feelings and men very specifically coming to grips with their feelings for other men and what that looks like and how they respond to that and the comfortable level with that. Um, So it's really good. I really enjoy it. And I think it's really touching in a lot of ways. So I just wanted to mention it. Well, thank you uh, for bringing that to my attention. That's interesting. And uh, I'm glad that they're doing such a good job. That's awesome. It it makes me so like, I'm glad. And then I'm so sad that I'm like, Oh, that's a big deal that two guys actually like full on kiss in an, in a show like that. Like that that's a big deal. Yeah, no. And it's it should kind be, of a big but deal. It, but it is. Yeah, no. And I mean, I think back to something like Yuri and Ice that always kind of hedged a little bit. Uh as much as I love Yuri and Ice, it hedged quite a bit. And given is like, nah, we're good. <laughs> no hedging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Complete utter lack of hedge. There are no hedgerows here. Um Okay, let's move on to our next episode, and that's the uh, season 10 premiere of, or series 10, or collection yeah. 7. Collection 7. <laughs> of The Great British Bake Off, if you're looking Channel 4, series 10, or The Great British Baking Show, if you're talking collection 7 over on Netflix. And this is Cake Week. They always start with Cake Week at this point. Like, a couple seasons ago, they started with biscuits or cookies, but this this year, like they usually do, they started with cakes. I thought this was a good uh, premiere. I'm liking this batch of bakers so far. Um, I was uh, a little annoyed and irritated with Paul, as I so often am, um, even more. <laughs> like, the... In the premiere, I noticed this a lot more in the premiere. In the second episode, there were other things that were similar to this, but in the premiere, um, it was really bothering me that Paul gets to give a critique to everyone. And whenever the producers are trying to save time or they feel like there's not enough difference in what the critiques are, they don't show Prue's critique. Yeah. They always cut Prue, they never cut Paul. She always stands behind him. Um, so he's closer to the camera and more prominent and more center in the frame. And it just drives me fucking nuts so much. So, um, yeah, that was really annoying in this in this episode. Uh, let me see what else. I liked the opening. I thought that was stupid and silly and fun. And I like that um, Noel and Sandy have really embraced a do- totally different tone than Mel and Sue. Um, yes. I think that's good. And I think it's, it's, it, it's much better. They, they seem much more comfortable in their roles than they were when they first came on. So that's good. And I thought that the challenges were pretty smart. I particularly liked the showstopper. I thought going with your the birthday cake you would have wanted as a child was really smart. 
because it's yeah. got to be colorful. It's got to be creative and fun and very visual, which is great for the show. And also it tells you a lot more about their personalities. There are 13 bakers this season. And I felt like by the end of the premiere, I actually have a strong handle on who they all are in a way that is not always the case on this show and on most reality competition shows. Um, and so th- they they kind of had like a sort of boring and straightforward first challenge. And that gave them like that meant that nobody was going to like have a lot of trouble when they were baking it. So that they could then cut away and do all the introduction things, and you didn't feel like you were missing anything. They didn't. They, there wasn't too much for them to have to, for it to be jarring to cut away. You could like cut away, find out about their home life, cut back, and and everything was still continuing to go along smoothly. And then the the drama was not like, oh, this one's going to be really hard to do. It was, uh, what are the flavors, and is it good enough? So yeah, I yeah. thought it was a solid premiere. Yeah, I think it is a really solid premiere, and I think that they have a seemingly really solid stable of bakers. Like, these are folks that seem to kind of know what they're doing, but also 10 seasons in, I kind of expect people to know what they're doing when they go on this show. Mm -hmm. Except for the fact that apparently some people just didn't prepare a Genoese, to which I go, how have you, what? It's like when you're going to do one. And you don't know how to swim or you don't know how to drive stick. Like, it's going to happen. You're going to yeah. need to know how to do – like, do yeah. you You got cast a while ago. And, yeah. and yes, I know Genoese's are hard. It's just, like, me utterly failing to make meringues until last year. Like, every time yeah. I tried it, they failed horribly. And it's not hard. I just you know, had a thing about meringues. It just always never worked for me. Um, and I get that. So I get that Genoese's are hard. But – they have them every single season. They like yes. every season they they'll have like a line in a technical that's like make a Genoese and there's no recipe at all and you have to just know it, right? So to yeah. go on Bake Off knowing you've that you don't know how to make a Genoese and you haven't even tried like at least a couple of them are like you know I tried and this is always a hockey puck. It, it always goes wrong. like at least they tried. Yes, exactly. But a lot of people going, "Yeah, I don't know about this." And I just went, "Why don't you know about this?" You- you should know about the show. This. Yes, you've seen it. You know what your show you're on, right? You know, you know that. You... Yeah. So, yeah, but um, I do agree with you about all the Paul stuff because it was really prominent in this episode, um, like aggressively prominent. And it was really, really frustrating because I was just like, Bruce's not talking a lot. That's weird, but Paul's talking a lot. That's normal, but there's nothing Prue's really offering here. And that's frustrating and weird. And also, why is Paul talking so much when Prue designed the technical? I don't understand what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's uh, there's more of that in the second episode. Though Prue does get more to say, and she does, I believe, get to say at least something to all of the bakers. Okay. So it's something that now that I'm writing up reviews for it every week over the AV Club, I'm right. talking much more and very actively. So um, she also... Uh, have you seen this week's episode yet? No, not yet. Like, if I watched it before my person got home, she would murder yeah. me. And then yeah. I Understandable. would be made into a Understa- bread loaf. Yeah. Then I would need to find a new <laughs> co- yeah. co-host. And that yeah. would be tricky. Um, yeah. Uh, no, the um, there there's a there's a moment where he just starts shoving his foot in his mouth and making himself look like an ass and really stupid. Um, and she goes, oh, I think what you mean is this. Duh. <laughs> but like, you know. Very gracefully mm-hmm. saving him. Yeah. Uh, and and it's like, yeah, see, this is why you have a co-host. 
and an equal co-host, not like a pet who you allow to give color commentary to, uh, to, to the audience and to the, to everybody else. So yeah, the, I, I'm looking forward to the biscuits or the cookies for, for, uh, talking about it with you. I already wrote up my review over the AV club and the oh, week did after they do the- the cookies and biscuits for a week too. That's yeah. weird. Bread no. week is week two. No, cookies have no. been week two since no. like season five. It's been oh. cakes and then biscuits. Um, and then what they swapped those two a couple seasons ago, but but yeah, no, it used to, and then bread is three is usually so okay. they've kind of like settled into a thing. And part of it is that people just assume like they take cookies for granted, they're like, anyone can make a cookie. It's no, like, oh. I, I can barely make the bacon break cookie sometimes, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I feel like cookies don't get enough appreciation on this show, so um, yeah, they're at the start of this week's episode, um, as we record, um, it there's a few there's some talking heads with some of the bakers like freaking out about biscuits. They're like, I don't do biscuits. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm like, yes, finally somebody respects the big biscuit challenge. Very nice. Do you have any front runners that you're rooting for? Or is it too early? Oh, it's way too early yet. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when like two people can be eliminated at any point. Um, Thoughts this on that? Season. It's very reality show of them. Yeah, um, they've and... done it before. They did it in season four, um, as yeah. the commenters over the AV Club were very incensed that I had not even tried to do my research to find that. I was like, I watched, mm-hmm. <sighs> letting it go. It's not worth it. It's not worth yeah. it. Uh, so, so just like they tried some different things in the earlier runs of the show, earlier seasons right. of the show, and then they made their way to the format that worked best and stuck yeah. with that. And now they're going. There's a reason they didn't do a baker's dozen again because it was contrived yeah. and stupid. Until yeah. this season. So I just like the notion of elimination not being an inevitability, but a punishment yeah. is something that really bothers me. Yeah. No, it, it feels antithetical to the show. But then again, so does having to make three different sauces for your bread over an open flame. So, yes. I mean, this yes. is where we are now. This is what the show <laughs> is now. Yes. there's. Um, I look forward to your thoughts on that next week when we talk about the next episode. So let's yeah. let's cap it off there and move on to the terror infamy. Um, this is episode uh, The Week Our Meat. Is this already only episode four? I felt like we were further along, but it's but we aren't. No. It's, yeah. It's I, episode four. This one clicked a lot better for me. And, okay, uh, great. Yeah, I, I still don't care about Chester, but <laughs> having him away from the main action um, and like some of the structural choices in this episode, I think, work really well. And um, yeah, so, so I, th- and there's a str- I have a stronger sense of wh- what the characters are thinking and where their headspace is at. They make a few choices that I did not see coming. Um, and I'm curious what you think of them when you get a chance to see it. And uh, yeah, I... I I, I'm maybe on fully on board now at this point, or like mostly on board. I'm not fully on board because yeah. I still don't care about Chester, but I'm much more on board. So that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Let's wrap things up with Queen Sugar. And that the episode here is the penultimate episode. Next week is the season finale. Um, So this episode is here. And I thought, uh, as, <laughs> I mean, as, as obvious as Micah's decision is at at the end um despite that because uh, it's a tv show and we know that and they're not gonna give her to micah on their tv show so he's not gonna move away to harvard um <laughs> despite that i actually really like this episode and i thought that they earned the reconciliation between vi and nova and that i didn't i did not anticipate them reconciling before her and ralph angel but I thought that was handled well. I like the conversations around Blue's relationship with Nova and the other things that we're getting here. I mean, it very much, like you said, it very much is moving to a season finale. 
and what promises to be a very climactic season finale. But I thought that it was another strong episode. And yeah, this one, more than previous seasons, this season to me really feels very much of a piece. Like when I think about Queen Sugar this season, I think, I don't think about moments. I don't think about shots. I don't think about like beats. I think about like the threads of the season, um, which is interesting for me because I, I usually connect very visually to the show and very like, performance specific so it's a different way for me to to interact with the show but i've, I've been enjoying it and i think it was a strong penultimate penultimate episode yeah i do too and i think there's a lot of like really good things in this episode like um violet all day long by just all day long um she that was sequence... glowing yeah she was no, just like, radiant like that entire sequence um with um jimmy dale um jimmy D- jimmy dale um is just gorgeous like from an acting perspective of like this mm-hmm. look we're not going to get any, any enemy traction but we're going to try <laughs> to get mm-hmm. something cooking here and here's how we're going to do it <laughs> and so that sequence is just gorgeous it's really good um the way nova and rutina wesley step out of it basically um while still being present exactly at the right point um, from a writing perspective, from a directing standpoint, from an acting standpoint, are all really, really on point. And then having um, that other woman come in exactly when she does as things are winding up to then provide a final button on that sequence is just, it's really, really good. Um, and while I kind of wish they had done more with Jimmy, um, I think that because I always want more David Allen Greer, um, it's it ended up being like the right amount for the confluence of events of what Nova did and then how unsettling Jimmy Dale's presence becomes as well. So having that be resolved with Nova is good narrative economy, but it also made a lot of sense of you never talked about my triumphs and here's me triumphing and saving someone else. This is what I'm capable of. And you chose not to really do that. And I think that's a really good rebuttal to how she felt she, how Vi felt she was presented in Nova's book. And I think that's really, really smart of the show to do that. Um, So I really enjoyed that. Yes, Micah not going to Harvard made sense, but I also really liked Charlie's response and how driven charlie's how based in her own experience charlie's response to that is while everyone else in the house is like no that's that's also a valid choice to make and charlie Mm -hmm. you need to sit down (laughs) i loved the reaction shot of vi when she goes to hug uh, micah and she's also like and also I, f- I feel you, Charlie. I'm not even going to make eye contact right now because that's not what you need. I'm not going to try to hu- help. I'm not. I'm just going to I'm just going to sit right back down. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing else to do. It's like, I support you and I love you. I'm glad you'll be around. Um, Your mom is pissed and I would be, too. But I'm the I'm the aunt, <laughs> the great aunt. So I don't have to be. So, um, hmm going to be awkward for a while i thought that they that scene was really well done and uh i liked that it felt like because it would be easy for that kind of a scene to turn into oh look just when they think they're getting everything good again charlie and nova are broken again like their relationship is 
torn apart again you know like and it, there was the threat of that but it yeah. like there the energy of that scene it was very much neither one of them wants that so they're calibrating their responses to yes. avoid that as a you yeah. know but and the, and you can feel the real palpable potential and and so that awareness of the history of their dynamic and how tentative everything is right now um was was really affecting for me um and the uh yeah i, I just i thought it was cuz as soon as soon as you see he got into harvard and they hadn't even mentioned it previously you're like well that's not going to stick <laughs> like yeah. they would have mentioned he was applying they would have shown him going off on a college visit or something and frankly um i i think it's it's a good conversation to have, but I would have been more interested in like a mini story arc where he goes into different colleges and decides he wants to go to Xavier and be like explore that choice more yeah. than having it off screen as like a surprise, you know? Because um, it feels a bit, a bit contrived, but but it does add more weight to the scene we got in the previous episode talking about futures and him realizing he doesn't want to run a hedge fund, and that's yeah. what he'll do if he goes to Harvard. So yeah. You know, um, yeah, so I, it was a, yeah, that was a very loaded scene, <laughs> but a good one. Yeah, and also just, like, especially also, like, racially and from mm-hmm. a, that kind of a perspective as well of how do you give back to a community? What do you do to serve this community? And how are you going to do that? Um, and the ways in which that work is done and the validity of one tract over another um, is again, like you said, it how that gets refracted through Charlie's approach and Nova's approaches um, really works well. And it's good that Nova doesn't, didn't know. It's very good that Nova it's didn't very know about this. <laughs> it's and it's good that good. Kiki didn't know about it. And that it was yeah. not a decision made about her, you know? Yeah. Uh, yes. All of that is very good. They're like, not me. Yeah. I support not it. you, but it, but not me. <laughs> Yeah, no. We're all yeah. going to back away now. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> we're, we're not leaving. Yeah. But we are taking two steps back to let y'all deal with this. Yes. Um, yes, indeed. Um, well, what wins your week in TV? Um, I think I'll give it to Given this week, because um, that episode was just really great and the song was really great. Um, what about you? What won your week? Hmm. I think I have to give it... Because I'm tempted with DuckTales, but I think I'll give it to Queen Sugar this week because there was some really, there's some really fun stuff in there. Yeah. So that's what I will do. Um, Now we'll take a break, listen to some more fabulous music, and come back with our spotlight on the Steven Universe movie. We'll be right back after this. Time that I'm 
We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as everybody, Noel Kirkpatrick. And as you could hear from those dulcet tones, it's time for us to talk about Steven Universe, the movie. Um, and now, first off, Noel, you've gotten to sit with this and live with this for longer. Um, yes. I've seen this a couple times this week, but um, you've had like an extra weekish to 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 think about like it. And, week and a half, two weeks, yeah. And um, and of course, everyone should go read uh, Noel's articles over at TVGuide.com. Um, so let's start with um, let's just start with the fact. Uh, obviously, anyone who listens to the podcast knows that we're really big Stephen Universe fans, and uh, I mean, yes. I, I feel like I can speak for both of us and say we really enjoyed the end of the the run uh of the show the the original conception of the five season show or whatever and thought i mean ending on that beautiful for me perfect note of change your mind um Mm -hmm. so then and then it was like who knows what's gonna happen is it over i know there's a movie and then and now they're saying there's gonna be something next but they're being very cagey about what that specifically is if it's another movie if it's a miniseries if it's if it's another season we'll hear about that eventually um this is all lead up to say that the hype train was high anticipation was high and our expectations i think i can say are pretty high for this show did steven universe the movie live up to those expectations for you almost entirely like um as i sort of wrote really cagely about my review because i couldn't like really dive into it in the review due to the embargo is that I think that there's a lot of charm. There's a lot of sweetness in this. Um, The music, I think, is overall generally really good. There are a number of songs in here that I really, really love. Um, But it also feels really repetitive. But that repetition is by design. Um, And that is sort of like kind of where the movie fills that weird in-between space of encore slash swan song. Mm Mm-hmm slash lead into something else yet to be announced. Um, So it occupies like a really weird space of wanting to be both and a finale, like a proper like encore, I think is how I framed it in my review because of because of the curtain. And then because of everyone coming down the stairs at the end, Um, there's that sense of an encore, but it is also a sense of we've been here before we've done this kind of arc um of steven coming to grips with something terrible rose has done in the past and it's like we've been here but the other thing is is that everyone is aware that we've been here so there's this like meta commentary happening over the course of the movie of like ah i can't believe no wait i can't believe my mom would do that and i'm sorry (laughs) and so there's all of that to which it's it's really good it's really beautifully animated like this is the best steven universe has ever ever looked it's gorgeous to look at but narratively, it can feel a little repetitive, but I think there's merit in that repetition. Uh, so I think it's really good, but I was expecting something, I think, a little bit grander than what we ended up getting here. But I'm not going to complain because it's still really, really good. Um, how did you feel about it? Um, well, and again, listeners, I, I love Steven Universe. Rebecca Sugar and the entire team over there is amazing. And there is a lot of music that I really enjoy in this, actually. Um, it's just for me, there's one element that keeps this from being completely inessential and skippable. Yeah. And that's Spinel. And I think if I think Spinel is terrific. I think Spinel is really, really good. And that is the reason that this is so 
fun and worth watching. Outside of just, obviously, I love Steven Universe, so any Steven Universe, if it's, you know, I'm, I'm going to like it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to think it's worth, like, a worthy viewing and a great show and check it out and go, you know. But it is so repetitive. <laughs> it feels like a reboot of the show with all, like, while connecting to everything else. There's so much in here that feels like going through the motions and just repeating things we've done before. And, hey, wasn't it fun when we did this? Yeah, it was also fun the first time. I mean, I still like the second time. Give me a second helping. Don't get me wrong. That's, like, that's not a bad thing. But I I wanted so much more from this. And I think a big the, – the, the big thing that scratches that itch of wanting more is how terrific of a villain and, you know – addition to the the world spinel is and the other big part of that of course is the music which i loved so so like when i'm watching this i was of two minds i was like oh i see what we're doing for people who haven't seen the show before if they want to jump in point we're going to hold their hands and be like here are all the characters let's do a uh you know uh the the i am song for musical theater but we're going to introduce you to all the characters give you a rundown of their backstory and then we're going to walk you through the character development over 160 episodes or whatever it was um, in an hour and a half long movie so that you can jump in with season six and feel like, you know, you, you've you seen everything, you know everything. I just felt those strings so strongly. And the focus that you'd need for this kind of a, a movie to really have an impact, it would require having a more specific central character and like, you know, so they wanted to make sure everybody got a song and everybody got a moment and everybody got a thing. And so it couldn't have just the impact and weight of watching a character actually go through a change. They had to regress Steven so that they could have him remember, oh, yeah. And then by the end, we end up just almost exactly where we, we started off. And that's very frustrating. And I know Rebecca Sugar has said um, in some of these interviews that there will be consequences to this, that there will be fallout from it that we haven't seen yet. And certainly um, there's other stuff happening out in the Gemma Empire that will be plenty of fodder for whatever comes next. There's plenty of stories to tell here. Don't get me wrong. But it's just like for me, it's the epitome of completely inessential but lovely, beautiful viewing. And it, it – if you like typed up my words, they sound so harsh and so negative, but I did have a wonderful time with this, with this movie. Um, I guess it's just, it's, it's, I want newer original stories with, with these characters instead of taking something that they did really, really well over the course of the, the first five seasons of the show and doing it again well in 90 minutes or like 86 or whatever. 82. Many, yeah. 82, 82. Yeah. Um, because it's like, I mean, and, and there are certain highlights, but you know, I want to like some of these saw, like, like even just some of the songs, the uh, true kind of love. I'm like, Oh, this is stronger than you. Even down to the way uh -huh. it's shot and even down to the, the beat and like the, some of the things, it's just not as good as stronger as you stronger than you. Um, but it's still fun. It's still good. It's just, it feels like diminishing returns. Um, yeah. So that's where I'm at, which may be controversial because I know there's a lot of like star-eyed, like, you know, heart-eye heart emojis kind of reactions to this out there. And I am much more muted. I, like, I was thinking, like, if I had, had to write it this up 
at the AV Club, and I'm glad that that didn't happen. I probably would have given it like a B. Yeah. Feels like a B. And I, I never want to give Steven Universe a B. Well, and I think, like, on a certain level, I think B is really fair. Um, I mean, I gave it a four out of five, um, which, which I also think is, is fair. Yeah. It's an 80%. Is, yeah. Yeah, that's an 80%. Um, I think that the there's two things that run through this is like there is that sense of onboarding basically of like all right you 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 didn't you don't have time to watch 60 episodes here's a primer 160 episodes here's a primer um which is something that I had in my notes like really early on after everyone gets poofed um and starts with their factory default settings basically um of like oh we're just Oh, and we're going to get a Pearl introductory song, which is amazing. And the title for that song is also really ridiculous. It's basically a Mr. Robot episode title. But it's um, good. But it's good. <laughs> There's it's a the reason. Thing. It's, it's pronounceable as well. You can say yeah. it. Um, but uh, but as much as I really enjoy that song and uh, D.D. Mongo Hall's uh, performance of it, because it's just perfect, um, is the fact that, like you said, but I know all of this. I, I, I've watched 160 episodes. I know how all of this works. The only one I don't know about is Spinel. Thank you for explaining that to me at the end of the song. Um, and so it does feel like an onboarding sort of thing um, for anyone who hasn't watched any of the show. But then why would you watch the movie if you haven't watched any of the show? Yeah. And there's that weird sort of, but wait, why? And so... That is that was frustrating, but the show's charming enough to sort of get away. The movie, I think, is charming enough to kind of get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still kind of vexing at the same time for people who have really committed a lot of time to the show over the past five, six years. Um, but then the repetition of it all is one of those things that I really kind of grappled with when trying to figure out how to write about it. Um, because I do think that... Th- Apart from Spinel, and apart from Steg, mm-hmm. um, there's a de- there is a degree of inessentialness to this as well. But I think that there's still like there's still a decent enough arc of the dangers of getting complacent, of wanting that happily ever after, and not wanting to keep doing the work um, to just like sit back and sort of revel. Um, not even rebel, just become take a break sort of thing, which you deserve after reforming the galaxy, I feel like. Um, but I think that there's there's that element of needing to remember that change and evolution is very important, and which has been really one of the core things and growing growth. I mean, Stephen has a neck now. Um, <laughs> That growing is really important. I think that that's sort of like the key thing that kind of comes through with this, even if it does also feel repetitious, is that you have to remember your past, but you have to keep moving forward as well. And I think that there's a desire to kind of, especially with Happily Ever After, there's uh, the song Stephen sings as he lets us know what's going on in Beach City. um, Which is one of my favorites, by the way. It's so good. It's It's really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, and like all the little bits in between of what's going on, Ugh, Pearl learning how to play bass, <laughs> bass, <laughs> bass. No, it's bass. <laughs> You're not going to fool me. <laughs> it's so good. Um, I think is all of that, I think is really, really good. And, but it also demonstrates that like, 
there's this desire to not have to do anything more growing, but he's only 16. There's plenty of growing that you still have left to do type of thing. And I understand that that can feel kind of compressed given the fact that you've totally reformed the great diamond authority. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that that's kind of at the core of like, you can't forget that past and you can't just box it away. But while that's a good narrative sort of idea, it doesn't make for a really good viewing experience a lot of the time in this particular movie because there's not a new epiphany. There's not a new lesson learned. There's not a new sort of concept portrayed. Stephen's empathy saves the day again. Spinell gets reformed through the power of love and through the fact that the diamonds all need so much therapy still um, (laughs) that all of it ends up feeling kind of rote, but delightfully so. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that the message of this is very much, you know, the power of change and the importance of change. That's an essential part of, of, of life and of, of who you are. But I, it feels like lip service because at the end, what happens? Spinel and the diamonds don't change. Right. More. They don't change. They, they regress. Don't get to change. Right. Yeah. And they just like go back to, you know, the con- at least for now, the con- convenient off screen place for them to hang out until we, we need them again singing gorgeous three and now four part harmonies at the in the whole you know the whole time and you know those acoustics are going to be good man in the in the home world the like all those facets you know it's good acoustics <laughs> um but and and then what happens with beach they just rebuild it the same as it was so they can use their previous animations um so nothing actually changes you know like spinel doesn't have to hang out and deal with people who's have who have had their homes their lives completely shattered and taken away from them. People who have been injured. And I mean, like the, the desire to just like to, to give the, the movie a happy ending felt very false. Like, can you imagine like all of Stephen's friends, like everything they own was lost. Like those photo albums they'll never have again. And the treasured, like, you know, family heirlooms gone because of spinel and because of you know she was you know motivated by pink being horrible but there there needs to be consequence and there the desire and i mean i I have no doubt that that will come in this season six because of the world building that they've done but it doesn't really fit with what the show has been and what they want it to be and so i think that really makes it a tricky spot for the show to be in um, to balance those things, and that made the ending of the movie ultimately very unsatisfying to me. And as you know, and also as much as I, you know, I enjoyed uh, Stag. That was great, <laughs> super fun. However, there was no I mean. It was just there so that we could have a fusion, and so we could have a song, right? And so we could hear Amy Man sing finally, which is great and all, but like, that's not enough of a reason for the much touted Steven Universe the movie. Right. I don't know. At least for me, narratively, it, I didn't feel like they earned it. And so, so that like the whole time I'm watching it, I'm enjoying it and having a wonderful time, but I have come to expect more oomph, more impact. And we got uh, from this show and from these, from these writers, we did get, I think, some of that with, um, the, you know, the examination of in that little moment of, uh, Spinel, 
of why am I trying to hurt you? And like, and, and you, every time you change, you change it. You're always changing for the better. I'm changing for the worse. And that's not good. Like, I think there was some, some really good stuff there. But I also feel like we kind of got that with Alone at Sea with Lapis and Jasper a while back. And some of that, you know, so like, again, I there wasn't as much of what I would hope for. for there wasn't enough there there for, for me. Um, even even with all of the uh, the beautiful animation, which I really want to talk about before we run out of time here. And also with the... The really terrific voice performance of Sarah Styles as Spinel, which we need to talk about. And also with all of the songs. Let's talk about the songs a little bit here. Because yeah. one of the big things we get from this movie that we can't would not get normally in Steven Universe is we get all the musical songs. In a way yes. that we haven't since Mr. Great. Because there's so much music. But they're very pointedly like, this is the musical theater song, right? In yes. this, you know, the, we get the Disney storybook opening. We get like the, 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 just the, the way that that was composed. Those harmonies are just gorgeous. And of course, those ladies can sing, uh, just forever. <laughs> so that was wonderful. But, but the, the opening like montage, like Belle, you know, walking through the town, like when, with, with ha- uh, Happily Ever After, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was pitch perfect, really great and set the scene. I thought that the stuff we got with, each me like each of the characters it was so tonally spot on for for a musical and you know i love musicals so that i it was just like center of the venn diagram right for 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 me wheelhouse center of the venn diagram um for that aspect of the movie because it was like why does this movie exist so i can get the movie musical moments that don't really actually fit with the show usually so that was something i loved what about what did you think about that no, I really loved it too. Like it's it's sort of what keeps you chugging along a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um like Let Us Adore You has that be- those beautiful harmonies. Um Happily Ever After is just delightful. Um I love Other Friends, which I think is probably one of the best songs on the tra- on yeah. the soundtrack. Um in part because I love that kind of madcap energy um that the song has. Um in my notes I have Oh, so this is what happens when Harley Quinn isn't yeah. <laughs> a human being. This is what happens. Well, and um, such a perfect be- fit with the animation and the character right. design. Like, it all comes together. Just, yeah. it crystallizes <laughs> really yeah, nicely. no. I mean, that de- that really good deployment of 1930s animation, that kind of bouncy, bendy um, animation style is really, really good. Um, yeah, and then just... Everything else, I think, just generally works really, really well. Um, even little songs that we get, like Disobedience, we get something from Sadie and the Killers, um, which is just really delightful. Um, I don't love Independent Together a lot, um, because it gets a little repetitive. There's not a full song there, but the animation for it, I think, is really, really good. And I let it slide as a result of, like, oh, this is such a gorgeous sequence and it breaks Spinel's tiny little heart. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I, I also enjoy that. But I think that there's just the sheer range of the types of songs. Because it's a jukebox musical without really being a jukebox musical of like, we covered a bunch of different genres. It's like a genre jukebox musical, which I really, really like about it. Um, so like you said, we get a good Broadway number. We get a couple of R&B stuff. Um, we get a weird madcap Cole Porter-esque almost sort of number with um, other friends in a lot of ways. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think there's just a lot of really good sort of 
something for everyone in the music here. Um, and then just figuring out how to do that Let Us Adore You reprise um, is also, I think, just really, really good, too. So yeah. I think, yeah, it's just, it's really, really good. It's really good. I loved Garnet's first song. Yes. The kind, of, um, kind of reggae, kind of sitting back in the beat. Like, I thought that was, like, actually showing, zooming into the experience of them fusing for the first time. Like, that was was just beautiful absolutely gorgeous um and i'd like that actually i mean true kind of love is, is a good song especially um i really like uh steven's part little like interlude bridge or whatever mm-hmm. in that yeah that one but 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 for me garnet's first song was is was one of the standouts i wanted to like business song so much more than i did for me it was completely forgettable and that's uh not on uzo duba who's terrific um but it, it oh, just it yeah. felt it was it was so forgettable and so low energy and i really felt like paradox and especially lapis but also bismuth got short end of the stick in this it, they're very very much also rans in this and i wanted them to be more active and and shown doing more you know it reminds me of um the first avengers movie where they make sure to show the that everybody like the, they made sure to show the like first responders helping people in the background always so yes yeah. our superheroes are our main people are doing stuff but everybody else is also if you look it has very important things to do they are contributing to the the overall thing and i feel like they could have used peridot lapis and uh bismuth much better and certainly like i know other people really some other people really love that song i i was i just was like oh come on you can do so much better by these guys oh, i want another movie just for them well and that's the thing is i think that there's a um there's another really good movie in here that's over there on the side uh, with uh, the with Little Homeworld happening. Um, because one of the things I didn't get into my review, because I couldn't figure out a way to do it without spoiling anything, is how basically an immigrant community saves this city um, in providing refuge. And there's just that little undercurrent. They don't make a big deal out of it at all. But I'm just like... Oh, but we're gonna do we're gonna do this. We're gonna show how immigrant communities save places after and... <laughs> a different immigrant right destroys the world. Yeah, and Not brings great. all this trouble to their shores. Yeah. So I mean, like, yes, I do agree. Yeah. Um, and that is the safe haven. And I, I, the the who was it? Was it business? Somebody coming over with a blanket for the refugees yeah. that are the humans it was not lost on me. And I love the show putting in those little visual cues and and you know finding the space for that and prioritizing that i agree uh but yeah there was also some like especially when they just like buzz off and don't actually contribute to the cleaning up i don't want to know what steven had to do to get all the, how much smooching of water i guess also let's not think about all of the life that it was killed in like the ocean like like you can't just okay we're not supposed to think about it but Ah, uh, man, I feel like they, they raised the stakes too high and then lowered them back down too quickly. Oh, sorry. I, I distracted us from our conversation in the music. Any other songs that you wanted to highlight? Um, let's see. No, I think I'm okay. Um, I do just love systemboot.pearlfinal3.info so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Didi Mongo just had to be really happy with that of like, I don't have to sing a tragic song. I don't have to sing a song that's that has vague undercurrents of sadness in it. Finally, 
Well, she got a little bit of that in the uh, the the. I, th- I do think her verse is the best verse in the opening yes. montage. Yeah, sequence. no, that's true. Yeah, but yes, but no, it's like oh, I could just be joyful. That's nice. <laughs> that's that's pretty great. Well, and you know, again, all of these, I can just. Dee Dee Magno Hall can just sing for ages, and it's great. And I liked, actually, I enjoyed uh, Michaela Dietz getting to sing more because I feel like she's the underserved yeah. one of the gems. Um, so her song was super fun and, and light. I like the return to the train car. I liked uh, when she was being Rose, uh, and the, the there was, she was doing some things vocally to kind of mimic, which I thought were was really neat. Um, that takes us to uh, animation of vocal performances because I think we also it's so easy to overlook this, but I think Zach Carlson is terrific. Yes. In this, mm-hmm. and he had a lot of of scenes to carry. He had a lot of vocal, like just like a lot of songs. He just he's he's the through line, and he does a terrific job. He does. I, I this is I th- arguably more than the rest of the series. This feels like a big showcase for him on yeah. just a number of levels. Of all right, you've got a lot of emotional hit, legwork that you're responsible for carrying. And then you also have to sing a lot. Um, so I think that... <laughs> they looked out when they cast him. I mean, like, they obviously cast him for a reason. They could see what he could do. But also, as he's aged, he has just gotten better. No, no, no. That's what I was, that's what I was about to say is, like, yes, they did get very lucky because he's gotten better as they've casted him. Um, yeah. Since, since the start of the show, um, he he hasn't plateaued and he's maintained sort of a pace with steven and i i think some of that is also attributable to the writers as well of recognizing that callison has changed um Mm -hmm. as he's grown up and finding ways to mold steven to him as well which is really important when you're doing a character like this um and you have an actor who's young and is growing up as you're recording this um as opposed to to a lesser well-executed extent with like Jeremy Shada over on Adventure Time of like struggling mm-hmm. to sometimes make that fit always um, as mm-hmm. Shada grew up, but then occasionally really nailing it. But Steven Universe has been really consistent and the movie's a big showcase for Callison's range on a number of different levels. Yeah. Um, any other vocal performances you want to uh, single out or any other animated sequences we should talk about? Um, styles, I mean, like, just is really, really good across the board from making sure that Spinell's voice is from being in a rejuvenated original form sort of deal. And then her dark Spinell, basically, for uh, want of a better term, are both really distinct, I feel like. And the other thing I really appreciate, particularly about her factory default Spinell, is how much of it feels of a piece with those 1930s Fleischer uh, rubber hose sort of voice work while not while still feeling contemporary which is a really hard thing to do because it's too easy for those things to too easy for that to feel like a parody and this doesn't veer anywhere close to parody if anything the animation veers closer to parody than the vocal performance does which I really appreciate um and i think that's really really uh good um and then i'm just glad that having when i spoke to rebecca sugar about steg um they talked about all the different character designs that they did for steg prior to settling on this one um but there was going to be a punk rock one where he basically just had a mohawk and then rebecca sugar was like no i can't get rid of their beautiful hair i can't and that was the (laughs) correct choice was to go with that massive pompadour instead because Greg and Steven just have such good hair 
even if Greg's lost most of his, um, you you can't get rid of it. It's bad. Don't get rid of it. Um, so I think that that's also something worth uh, pointing out. But what about you? Anything else that we haven't touched on? Well, you know, and again, to just keep heaping praise on Styles, the versatility required in her performance, or what? I mean, I guess she could have gotten away with less, but then it wouldn't have been as impactful. Um, it's it's in the spoken dialogue, it's in the songs, it's in the it's in just like tiny little moments, like like a. I don't think she knows how tag works, you know, kind of like these little throwaway things that you know, and then pivot on a dime to to different shades as each scene like with with each moment requires while maintaining a through line it's it's terrific and and you can see the different colors she's bringing out in her voice um in the various songs her songs are i mean if you have to pick one character songs for this movie it's definitely spinel um for me um and uh they're they're all they're all terrific and they they really they really hit you when they need to and they're just like zany and fun and and i think that comparison to harlequin is a good one and a very interesting one um yeah it is isn't it yeah (laughs) i wanted to do do so much more of that when i thought of it and then i just went i can't without spoiling the entire the entire thing yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah yeah, yeah, you think about it, and now it's going to be in your brain. And I look forward to you noodling on that for the rest of the Indeed. week. Indeed, <laughs> indeed, yeah, and uh, yeah. So those are the those are the ones that really you know stick out to me. I was also very excited that Christine Ebersol got such a fe- feature showcase. You know, seeing as yes. she hadn't really gotten a you know White Diamond song before, so that was. I mean, did I forget one from the finale? I don't think so, right? No, no, I don't think okay. so. Uh, no, so yeah, so this I'll... was, I mean, because I've I've enjoyed her work for for a long time, but I've seen I've known her mostly as just an actor, not as a performer. And I mean, so I'm not surprised that she's been around Broadway forever. I'm not surprised that she's got such a great voice. But that was really neat. And as far as the animation, like you'd already you already said that you know the, it looks gorgeous, and it absolutely does. The but the the character design for Spinel is so fun and different and so fluid and you could see where they're like we have a budget we're gonna do this (laughs) so it's just it's just so like that first fight is like i actually believe they're on the ropes it's so creative it's so new it's so different for the show um and and throughout as as things amp up and amp up like the use of perspective, the use of color, the 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 com- combining of like shots that I, the very few shots that I can relate to from my limited anime anime background, but that's really powerfully there with some of the other um like moments of the show and of other like other inspirations, other genres of inspiration for for this movie um, is just really a visual feast for the eyes. Yeah, it's it terrific. Is. Yeah. Any final thoughts on Steven Universe? Any other topics we need to touch on before we send it out the door? No, I think I, I think we can. Well, we can allow it to walk down the stairs and take a bow. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> in their tuxedos and showgirl feathers, which I love that Connie was into so that. So good. I I was too. I was really really happy that she was in that sequence. Um, despite not really being present for the movie, even though, God, her her re entrance was just. Oh, it was so good. I was wash like, my yes. hands. <laughs> oh, Greg. 
Oh, you wouldn't have? Oh, goodness, goodness gracious. What would your, your um, pearl say? Yeah. Um, yeah. The only other thing I have to, for this okay, uh, sure. around the show, around the movie, is I'm, I've been very pleasantly surprised to see so much critical praise and buzz for, for the movie. So many write-ups, so many uh, high-profile critics talking about the show um, and talking about the, the movie on, on Twitter. Uh, yeah, where were they before this, though? Yeah, what the f***, dudes? And okay, so I would, you've been late to the to the to the show on plenty of series, right? Yeah. And like a big one for me this year was Shit's Creek. And the first thing I acknowledged was, okay, I've been late on this one, but y'all were right. This this show is is great. Um, and I saw lots of articles and write ups about Shit's Creek in the last year that really took that tone and tenor. But when I see people like, for example, Seppenwall. Talking about, uh-huh. oh, yeah, no, it's always great. It's always wonderful. It's instant happiness is this thing. And, and, you know, it's like, I'm like, where have you been with your list of the best TV shows for the past however many years that Steven Universe is never on? You never talk about the show ever. You know, like, where are all these Johnny Come Latelys that did not take the time to then go, hey, guys, I caught up with that show that you love. It's really great, and you should be watching it. Because no one did those articles. Very few people did those articles. I did one of those articles, but very few people did those articles. And so while I appreciate all of this buzz and, like, the, the at some point it became the consensus amongst TV critics that the show is great and y'all should be watching it. But I missed when that happened, and I was paying attention. <laughs> Yeah, it was super weird to see, like, oh, this is getting covered in the Times. Oh, Seppenwall suddenly is writing about the show? Yeah. Wait, and when it's did in this Variety happen? and it's in Vox. And Carolyn Frumke right. has been an outspoken proponent for the show for a long time. Yes. But still, like, in general. Yeah. yeah, no, it was really weird when I saw all of this stuff coming up and I just went, wait. Wait, oh, well, that's great, because then in, like, three more years, Queen Sugar, it'll come around to Queen Sugar. It'll be like, oh, yeah, we all know the show is great. Oh, shut up. (laughs) Shut up. You don't get to say that if you don't take the, you know, don't write the mea mea culpa blog post, or at least tweet about how, you know, oh, I guess I was was getting so frustrated. Um, And not because, not because, you know, I was a real fan when, but because part of your job when you have that platform is to... To use it to to raise the profile of shows that need more critical attention and that deserve more. And a big one is any show that is short form, any show that is animated, any show that is, quote, for kids, any show that features not straight, cis, white people as its main characters. Um, And so to just, like, skip over that part and go to, like, the casual like oh well we all know this like no a lot of people don't because you have not been using your platform so at least they're using it now yeah but i'll stop you know yeah it's still really annoying yeah anyways um that wraps up our spotlight on steven universe the movie which despite my uh disappointment with certain aspects of it i did love i am very excited for whatever comes next how long do you think we're gonna have to wait um, I don't know. When I asked Rebecca Sugar about what was coming next, she was r- really like, no, there's definitely more coming. And the publicist had gotten back onto the line with us. Ah. <laughs> and um, she was just like, I don't 
know if I can say. Can I say? No, I can't say um, what we're doing next. Um, mm-hmm. Which is weird because, like, as someone pointed out to me on Twitter, they're just like, everyone knows that their voice cast has been recording other stuff. Mm-hmm. We all know. Yeah. There's just no official, like, statement yet. So it's just, it's weird. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, she wouldn't, like, I asked what they were going to do, and she's just like, I can't tell you. I'm really sorry, but it's going to be, to- we're going to find out really, really soon. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they've, she was, she had been said, she had been saying or had said previously that there were plans for a season six, they were going to do a season six, and now they aren't even saying that. They're just that they yeah. will, there will be more, but they aren't calling yes. it a season. Yeah, or they're some- not ca- saying anything about it, and it's just being really weird. Very strange. Yeah. yeah. I don't I mean, but the ratings were good. It got a, over one and a half million viewers, which is big for Cartoon Network for a premiere. So it's all those write-ups in the New York Times and Rolling Stone. Clearly. Clearly. Well, on that note, thank you, everybody, for listening and for watching Steven Universe, hopefully. And if you haven't watched it, I think we did pretty decent with spoilers. I was kind of, a, I think we did pretty good. So maybe. You, yeah, I think so, too. You can go listen to the to the music and watch the movie. Let us know what you think. Uh, if you show notes, you can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org. You can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find us an Apple uh, podcast with an M4A chapter feed and MP3 unchaptered feed. And of course, we are both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse. And Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thanks for a great week, Kate. Thank you, Noel. And thank you everyone for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. 